Hey everyone, welcome back to Astrophysica's podcast. This is Krishna Bulchandani and I have with me Shweta Ramkumar. And hi Shweta. Hi Krishna. Hi guys. So let's start. The sky above us is strewn with alluringly beautiful remnants of ancient supernovae. That is stars that lived out their life and that died in this violent explosion. So that's what we are going to talk about today's supernovae. The supernova is the name given to cataclysmic explosion of a massive star at the end of its life. It can emit more energy in a few seconds than our sun will radiate in its lifetime of billion of years. In a galaxy like our Milky Way consisting of some 200 billion stars, there should be a supernova as often as every 50 years. Yet supernovae visible to eye alone are exceedingly rare. You might or might not witness one in your lifetime. what we do see are supernova remnants which means expanding clouds in space where stars stars used to be and there are many examples both inside and outside a galaxy and the most famous supernova remnant visible from the northern hemisphere is called the crab nebula which i think all of us are familiar with so the chinese were the first to record um witnessing the supernova in the year um 1054 CE and they called it a guest star and wrote that it was visible in the daylight for a full 3 weeks and finally fading entirely from view about 3 months later exactly and later this crab nebula became famous for hosting the first known pulsar discovered in 1967 by Jocelyn Bell Burnell when she was a graduate student at Cambridge University in England So the Crab Pulsar, as it known, uh, is a neutron star, the remnant of supernova that created the Crab Nebula. Like cosmic lighthouses, the pulsars give off beams of radio waves as they spin, and the beams from the Crab Pulsar happen to be aimed our way. So we know that supernovae are star explosions, right? We see examples of their aftermath in the space around us, and we also know that as a star explodes outward. it also implodes so it forms an exceedingly dense neutron star which may or may not appear to us on earth as a pulsar but what exactly is a supernova and what makes it explode so astronomers are slowly peeling away the layers of mystery of surrounding these exploding stars the sheer unpredictability is exciting each supernova teaches us something new Astronomers have learned much about supernovae in just last 50 years. A bright supernova in our Milky Way galaxy is now statistically long overdue. Let us hope it happens in our lifetime, but preferably not too close, right? Yeah, and a supernova is kind of like a more final and like a powerful explosion than a nova, which is a temporary flaring up of a dwarf star in a binary system. So in the nova scenario the dwarf star will collect matter from its companion star and excess mass causes this dwarf star to flare up all of a sudden every now and then to many times its normal brightness so just imagine the how bright it would be and then it fades over months to its original brightness before the next flare up starts but a supernova on the other hand is a much bigger and intrinsically much brighter event where that's why we call it super where the outer layers of a star are blown explosively into space so a star which goes supernova it does not return to its previous brightness and it may also disappear completely leaving behind an expanding supernova remnant as follows 
Uh, did you know both Novi and Supernovi were once called Stella Novi, which means new star? This term was coined by famous Danish astronomer Tycho Brahe in 1572. That is because both Novi and Supernovi can cause a new star to appear in our sky when none was seen before. Both flare up suddenly and in the case of Supernovi, unexpectedly, before slowly fading away entirely over weeks or months. And now that we know that a supernova is not a new star, but quite the contrary, an existing one, which has reached the end of its life. And we also know that Novae, which is the less powerful flare-ups, mark the location of a star system that might flare up again. But do supernovae have other causes? Krishna, do you know anything about that? Yeah, they have different causes, but all involve sudden detonation of a star. Astronomers currently recognize two main types of supernovae, which is type 1 and 2, according to a classification system devised by a German-American astronomer Rudolf Minkowski and a Swiss astronomer Fritz Zwicky. Hence, this system is known as Minkowski and Zwicky system. So, these class- classification is based on the spectra of supernovae, that is, on their light when it is split into its component colors. Yeah. Type 1 supernovae lack the presence of hydrogen in their spectrum, while type 2 display. So type 1 is further divided up into three subtypes. You have 1A, 1B, and 1C, uh, which is also based on their spectra. But maybe more exciting is the difference between the types as determined by the cause of the explosion. And here, a bit confusingly, types 2, 1B, and 1C are actually the same kind of explosion, while type 1A is a completely different creature. Yeah. So let's start with a more common type, which is a type 2 supernovae, which is what people normally think of when they think of a supernova. A star exploding due to old age. The type 2 supernovae occur when a large star runs out of fuel, which brings it into a rapid collapse and explosion. Such stars between 8 and 40 times heavier than our sun, they are often referred as a core collapse supernovae because that's exactly what happens. The star's core suddenly in just a few seconds collapses in on itself. But let's set the scene for that event. Say for billions of years during the star's lifetime, nuclear fusion, which is the process by which hydrogen gets converted to helium in a star's interior. So in this process, it liberates huge amount of energy and it therefore enables the star to shine. So it's basically a fighting battle with gravity. And we're not talking here about the gravitational attraction of one object towards the other, but more about the star's own self-gravity. So in stars, the outward pushing radiation due to fusion reaction in the core is being countered continually by an inward pushing force of gravity. So it's kind of like a duel between two forces um, in which none of you know, either of them cannot be the victor. But as long as nuclear fusion is at the core, as long as that's maintained, the star stays in balance. Yeah, but as we know, stars are born with a finite amount of hydrogen fuel. After billions of years, changes begin to take place as hydrogen is depleted. Once the core of star completely runs out of hydrogen, nuclear fusion in the core ceases and the star has nothing left to burn. And at this point, the star is no longer able to maintain its outward push against the inward pulling gravity, the star slowly starts to shrink. And this shrinking has the effect of bringing more hydrogen from the locations 
further out into star into the region previously occupied by the core with the sufficient hydrogen in fact for the nuclear fusion to resume in a shell around the stars in a core but there is something called the mirror principle and that has something to do with conservation of both gravitational and thermal energy and it very simply states that if the core of a star contracts its outer layers must expand so the star starts to swell it expands massively from its original size and as it does its outer layers begin to cool and because they are further away from the shell of fusing hydrogen it makes sense that it starts to cool right so once temperature cools sufficiently convection rather than radiation becomes the dominant way the outer layers of stars are heated and then the star stops expanding so when it becomes swollen cooler and therefore reddened it is now known as a red giant star exactly so when our sun becomes a red giant in about what 5 billion years it will expand to consume and destroy mercury venus and possibly earth too this means that sun's diameter will increase from about 115 times it will also brighten by perhaps around 3000 times but as dramatic as it sounds its brightness increase maybe we are not at the supernova stage yet and reaching the red giant phase is not the end of the story yeah what happens next i know but as the star's core continues to shrink the temperature inside it will also increase to higher levels than before so it would even reach a staggering 100 million degrees celsius right so at this extreme temperature and if the star is massive enough it can start fusing the next element in the periodic table which is helium into carbon and so on so temperatures will rise even further until helium is used up and it leaves behind a core consisting of just carbon and oxygen but the burning of the helium however is not a rapid process star eight times the mass of sun will probably have enough helium to last 100 million years however during all that time the temperature of core slowly increases and when it reaches around 500 million degrees it's hot enough for the next element to start fusing so carbon nuclei fuse producing sodium neon and magnesium all these are burned in turn by a star and the core continues to heat up reaching about 2 billion degrees as the temperature climbs the first silicon is formed followed by sulfur argon calcium chromium and manganese and finally nickel yes and each is burned in successive shells as the core continues to shrink and each element created in this stellar nucleosynthesis is progressively heavier until and all of this happens until eventually one element is produced that cannot be burned further which is nothing but iron and at this point the temperature at the star's core may reach around 3.5 billion degrees celsius and its onion layers consist of a dense iron core surrounded by cells of silicon sulfur oxygen and carbon helium and outer shell of hydrogen it's incredible to realize that to reach this late stage in its life the star might have been its red giant phase for a billion of years and as iron cannot be burned not even at this temperature the star truly has reached the end of the road that's right and once all of the core center has been converted to iron a sudden event occurs now with no outward pressure at all the core completely collapses in on itself 
um, that is after billions of years gravity will finally win the standoff so what the core collapses into will depend on the mass of the star so say a star between 8 and 25 times as massive as a star as our sun will form a neutron star while the core of most massive stars say more than 25 times our sun will likely collapse into black holes yeah and the effect of core's final collapse which takes perhaps just a second or so is to send a shock wave right to the center which then rebounds and propagates outward to the outer layers of the star completely blowing it apart so copious amount of energy are released hence the brilliant event we know as supernova explosion can be seen across the universe and this explosion is able to form all elements heavier than iron because we now have enough energy for that and for a brief period the star can be brighter than the rest of the stars in its galaxy put together so left behind will be a neutron star or a black hole a totally new and final phase in its evolution and after weeks or months the glow of the supernova will slowly start to fade and finally snuffing out altogether exactly but what happens to the material flung into space in a supernova explosion the remains of the star so it disperses gently over the eons and its elements grow toward forming new stars new planets perhaps even a new life or the atoms in your body were forged in fiery hearts of ancient stars the calcium in your bones the iron in your blood all were born in a huge red giant star and seeded across the universe in a supernova explosion billion of years ago isn't it amazing yeah in the the second type which is type 1 subclass called 1b and 1c are actually similar to type 2 supernovae in that all of them are produced by the core collapse of a massive star so they have their own designation because in both cases they lost their outer layers already before the collapse and and thus are usually referred to as stripped core collapse supernovae so like onions already partially peeled type 1b has lost its first hydrogen rich layer and type 1c has lost both its hydrogen and also the next helium layer okay so let's talk about unit of measurement so the physicist gary brown and hans beck devised the unit of measurement to quantify the amount of energy released in a typical type 2 supernova the measurement is stated in ergs a unit of energy equals to 10 to minus 7 joules believe it or not the standard illustration of one arg is amount of energy consumed by house fly doing one push up <laughs> that's a nice analogy so brown and beat call the unit of a unit of measurement the foe which means 10 to the power of 51 ergs so during its lifetime the sun will emit about 1.2 foe of energy in other words for the duration of 10 billion years the sun will release just a bit more energy than a type 2 supernova produces in like a few seconds yeah and for another demonstration of simply incomprehensible amount of energy consider this a type 1 a type 2 supernova producing one foe of energy may sound like huge amount is undoubtedly is but now compare this to a black hole at the center of galaxy m87 famously imaged by event horizon telescope in 2017 that rotates at 90% of the speed of light now imagine attaching a huge dynamo to it so like that which powers a bicycle light by converting the wheel's rotational kinetic energy to electricity but how much kinetic energy would be drawn off the black hole by the dynamo 
So the answer is truly shocking. It's 10 trillion FOE. Yes, trillion. In other words, the M87 black hole's kinetic energy is 10 trillion times that of the energy released by a type 2 supernova. Yeah, let that sink. Yeah. Now let's talk about type 1A supernovae. Why differently a supernovae of type 1A will take place in a binary star system where one of the stars is a white dwarf and other is companion star which the white dwarf is busy stealing matter from. So white dwarf is a super dense remnant of a smaller star in the last phase of its life. It is the result from the slow shrinkage over billion of years of a red giant star such as Betelgeuse in the constellation Orion. Recently the subject of much speculation that it was about to go supernova but it's not. And a red giant star in turn is a result of a star like our sun slowly swelling up over a million of years. when it begins to exhaust its supply of hydrogen our sun's ultimate destiny is therefore to become a white dwarf a slowly cooling remnant of the core of our star measuring perhaps just about 0.8% of its original radius in the case of our sun it would be a white uh, it would be a white dwarf of about 7000 miles in the diameter So a white dwarf star is so dense that a teaspoonful of its material would weigh about 15 tons. So in its interior all fusion processes have ceased which means they've stopped. However, and this is the key to a supernova 1A classification, they can be reignited. Yeah. So if the white dwarf acquires enough material to end up with more than 1.44 times the mass of our sun the processes can restart and they can lead to a runaway thermonuclear explosion and the result that you get would be a supernova so this very clear mass limit of a white dwarf is known as the chandrashekar limit and that's named after the famous indian american astrophysicist chandrashekar who calculated it in 1930 yeah but how then can a white dwarf accumulate more mass what happens is that the binary system contains the white dwarf and a companion which can be any kind of a star a normal star a red giant or even another white dwarf in the former two cases the immense gravity of white dwarf slowly pulls material of the companion star accumulating it on the white dwarf's surface until the chandrashekar limit is reached so almost immediately the resulting runaway nuclear fusion reaction blows the white dwarf apart within a few seconds which is supernova explosion If the companion star is another white dwarf, the two can merge violently, their combined mass exceeding the limit of 1.44 solar masses, again leading to a supernova explosion. And within the type 1A classification, there are several subtypes, obviously, whose exact details are still a little uncertain. But the general idea is the same. So a white dwarf star accumulates enough mass to push it over the Chandrashekar limit, so that results in a catastrophic explosion and destruction of the star so the only exception to this is a newly discovered type 1ax supernova which may not completely destroy the white dwarf but instead turn it into a so called zombie star so it keeps half its original mass so theoretically this would this could then be the cause of another supernova explosion should it merge with another white dwarf currently there are about 30 candidates for this type which astronomers are still studying yeah let's talk about supernova as useful tools so one interesting feature of type 1a supernova is that because of the mass limit of white dwarfs they all explode with the same amount of energy and hence 
with roughly the same brightness so this consistency of brightness is an extremely useful way of measuring distances across the nearby universe and is known as standard candle so if you know how intrinsically bright a type 1 supernova is you can measure its brightness as it appears from earth and thus accurately calculate its distance it's like seeing distant car headlights at night you know how much light a headlight emits right so how bright it appears to you will tell how it will tell you how far away it is so while we used to think that all type 1a supernovae had exactly the same intrinsic brightness we now know that brightness can vary slightly but how were there is a correlation between a supernova's luminosity and the amount of time it takes to fade from view so its exact brightness and hence distance can therefore be calculated much accurately yeah and did you know it was the measurement of brightness of distant supernovae which in 1998 led a team of astronomers in the united states europe and australia to a shocking discovery the most distant type one supernovae are farther away than they should be given what was known about the age and expansion rate of the universe so this resulted in completely unexpected realization that universe expansion is actually accelerating not slowing down over time as we had always assumed and which models predicted later confirmed by several subsequent studies astronomers could not explain the accelerating universe and came up with the term dark energy to describe whatever it is that is causing it yeah and to this day the nature of dark energy is still a complete mystery although we do know that up until around 6 billion years after the big bang the universe's expansion was indeed slowing down and then something happened which reversed the slowdown and caused the expansion to actually accelerate we have no idea whatsoever what that event was it's extremely mysterious because something suddenly as far as we can make out changed the nature of the entire universe uh, but the best guess cosmologists have at the moment was that it is some sort of phase transition an example of which is water freezing into ice and then becoming something entirely different in structure and appearance In the case of water the event that triggers this transition which is the freezing relates to its temperature but in the case of dark energy the event must have been something in the very structure of space time itself right so some critical limit which say had been reached but as to what that limit was we still have no idea it may have been something entirely beyond our comprehension at all so who knows it's said and we may be decades away from understanding dark energy although slew of new dedicated telescopes and observation programs will seek to unravel the mystery in the upcoming years as with the case of search for quantum theory of gravity it may well take somebody of einstein's intellect to pull all the threads together and finally understand dark energy however speaking of einstein dark energy does seem to resemble his infamous cosmological constant it was basically a mathematical trick einstein pulled to eliminate the expanding universe which einstein did not accept from his equation so later realizing his error he called it is the greatest mistake of his life yeah and for the roles in all of these leading observations of type 1a supernova which resulted in the discovery of the dark energy astronomers sol um Brian and Adam Rees were awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics in the year 2011. Yeah. So that's it for this episode guys. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and yeah, see you next time. Bye bye.
Bye, guys.